It all starts with the passion. When I saw Lion King, literally, I can tell you the scene that made me want to be an animator. I just remembered how that made me feel. I wanted to make audiences feel that same way. That was Ruel Smith, the head of visual effects and animation with us at Step Studios and Locked Editorial in Los Angeles. Ruel's incredible story starts from his humble beginnings growing up in Jamaica to following his dreams to Hollywood and ultimately working on some of the biggest feature films of our generation, including Black Panther and Jungle Book. Welcome to Real Drive. Awesome, man. Well, to tee it up for those listening who might follow Step or the podcast so far, Ruel recently has been working with Step as our head of visual effects and animation, um, as well as directing some content. If you've seen any of the recent work um, from Riot Games and Best Buy, the Step was a part of, Ruel was one of the masterminds behind those projects. And we can dive into those a little bit more. But to start, Ruel, I mean, How's everything going? And do you want to talk a little bit about what your current role is at Stepped? And then from there, we can start going back in time. Yeah. So my current role at Step starting this year was head of animation and VFX. And that's, you know, really just coming in and overseeing the process and the structure of how we deal with VFX, how we incorporate VFX or break it down from a technical perspective across the studio per project. Yeah, man. Well, it's been an incredible journey thus far. I think we've tackled some of our biggest visual effects and animation endeavors in the company's history within the first like 60 days of you being here. So yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been pretty epic. And from from your world, you know, working on these huge feature films like Jungle Book and Black Panther and like films that are almost like intangible for someone like myself who comes from more of the commercial production world who I go see these movies in theaters and, you know, there are hundreds of millions of dollars to create these epic sagas. That world is so foreign to me. I'm like sort of in awe that you've been absorbed into those ecosystems. And I want to talk more about what those experiences were like, but why don't you take us back from day one here as a kid and give the audience a little background of what that journey was like from your childhood all the way up to the biggest films in the world. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. So I, I was born and raised in, in Kingston, Jamaica. And I was just like every other, you know, knucklehead kid just running around, you know, just living life. And then I was that kid that saw Lion King. It was just like, holy hell, that's what I want to do for a living. And so that watching Lion King one, number one, and then Jurassic Park, number two, those were the two films that were pivotal in me wanting to just venture from just being a fan into doing it and figuring out how it was done. And when I figured that out, I knew that I there was no means and to do that in Jamaica. And it wasn't until I migrated to the US to live with my mom in, in New Jersey is when a band teacher who had a love for Disney and animation just built a DIY like animation program at school. We just started learning it and we started doing, you know, making a name for ourselves and in the community. And then that got me a scholarship to go to School of Visual Arts in New York City to study animation. And that was the first time I realized, okay, I could do this if I was being given a scholarship, if it was being recognized. And then I just like almost everybody else who moves to California, LA, just that $2 in a dream, pack up after college, move to LA to just get a, a job opportunity at a company called Digital Domain. And they were just starting up Flags of Our Fathers. And so I got a ground entry level position in match moving. And yeah, that's pretty much, you know, in a nutshell, my journey. 
Dude, it's just, it's just incredible too. Cause I, I feel like, especially to the scale you got to and, and the success you've already had in your career, it's just so inspiring to know that you can come from a background like that and having that vision at such a young age, that's something you wanted to potentially pursue. So then how do you get from working as, you know, an entry level role at somewhere like Digital Domain to then assign to these bigger feature films? And what does that look like? Yeah, I always say it's who you know that somewhat gets you in the door and what you know that keeps you in the door. You know, when I started at Digital Domain as in, in a tracking department and match moving department, you just kind of do your work, keep your head down. And then, you know, project after project, you get more responsibilities and you move your way up. The interesting thing, Flags of Our Fathers, my first start on this side in, in, in L.A. Um, at Digital Domain. I worked on Jungle Book and Black Panther at Digital Domain. And so whenever you do a good job, um, you know, and the, the, the recruiters and the supervisors like working with you, they bring you back. And so I spent my first year and a half, two years there. And then periodically throughout the year, I would come back. They would bring me back for a particular project. And so by that time, I had worked with Digital Domain for like off and on for like six to eight years. And so I rose in, in experience through digital domain to kind of get more projects under my belt. That's incredible. And like having firsthand look into behind the scenes of some of the biggest feature films that are utilizing like very heavy and visible visual effects throughout. What can you tell viewers about like what that ecosystem looks like in layman's terms? Like I'm imagining like an army of 10,000 people in a building somewhere, you know, like when you see the never ending credits list, yeah. <laughs> you know, with like compositors, like 300 dudes or something. Yeah. Like, my mind starts to run wild when I think about it. It's that nuts, <laughs> man. It's especially with how ambitious a lot of these projects are getting. Like you're thinking like a movie, like a Avengers, I think that took like eight different studios. Like you're thinking of like 2000 visual effects shots, which is nuts. You know, the earlier days, I would say like early 2000s, like one studio would house, you know, a movie that was like maybe 500 shots. And so you're seeing rows and rows of cubicles <laughs> in like a warehouse pattern, how it's set up now, like you're making the movie two to three times. If it's a Marvel film or a Disney film, you're doing you're in previs, then you go shoot it and then you're in post viz, which is just another step before final. So you can have a film where digital domain, ILM and Weta is touching the same film in visual effects. That's yeah, crazy, man. And, yeah. and do you feel like just seems so crazy and so labor intensive with 2000 shots to literally hundreds and hundreds of people, like with the advent of the Unreal Engine and so much new tech coming out, do you see that approach changing dramatically or is it still going to be a couple hundred guys behind computers jamming away together? It, I think it will always be a couple hundred you know, people because the ambitiousness of the ask grows as well, right? Like a four or 500 visual effects shot film was nuts before, but now that's like a small, you know, visual effects film. So that visual effects ask is always growing and the pushing the technology is always, you know, needing a lot of people. So I, I don't see that going away. Yeah, it's going to be amazing to watch. I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out and how it bleeds into our world, you know, in commercials, yeah. which will be way more short form. But speaking of the tech side, like I know you've gotten the chance to work with John Favreau before yeah. um, through, you know, Jungle Book. And like he, from what I understand, is not an expert in, in your side of the business, is really pioneering. A lot. Like if you look at his approach with Mandalorian, like what can you tell us about working with him specifically, as well as like some of the technological advancements that you're seeing in the industry that are interesting? I don't know. His, working with John Favreau was, was amazing um, because in the fact that even though he didn't 
personally come from a VFX background or an animation background, he's like learned and developed a lot of that knowledge and he knows he knows it really well. It makes it more comforting as an artist when the director understands the lingo, understands the technique and talk shop with you and figure out the techniques. And so he's helping now shape visual effects techniques and technology. Like if you look at Iron Man 1 to Lion King to Mandalorian, you can kind of see him using visual effects technology and developing it and then pushing it for the next thing. And so, yeah, he used um, a real-time game engine to reverse engineer making the film. So what we did was we captured all the characters in mocap suits, and then we run it back in the engine, and then we had the kid watch that and perform as if they were in the VR world. So then you had your DP and the director looking at a monitor, and you're in a warehouse, in a green screen warehouse, but when you look at the monitor, you're in that world. For me, what I loved about it, it bridged the post-production and visual effects artists with production on set at the same time, and we can speak with the same language at the same time versus before it was like, fix it in post. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible to think you can actually see those worlds in real time. And if I understand correctly, you're saying that more or less, like they would pre-create this world. Then when the actor is on a green screen stage, you're looking through the monitor. The actor's actually within that world. The actor's not seeing it, but the whole film crew and director are to know where. And which exactly. I can imagine, like, as a director, it just must be a world of difference to, like, try to get performances to happen just in a green sphere versus getting performance and getting to watch them in a live action setting with actual backgrounds around them. They're within the world, regardless of whether it's cruder than the final product or not. Yeah. I feel like that must have been just a revolution for, especially in the feature film world. No, it is. It really was because now that you and the DP and the director can be on the same page at the same time and we can treat set design and production in visual effects as set design and production. We can create that world up front. You can project a big monitor and say your actor can get their eyeline and says, okay, I'm, I'm looking downstream. I'm, I'm running along this branch. To me, that was a game changer. And then he just took it to another level on Mandalorian where now the actor can physically see these worlds behind them and see the visual set, but it's being projected on a LED screen. Yeah, and that to me is like what I'm borderline obsessed with. And I, and I think I've been like texting you at night talking about trying to build one of these things. Like, tell me more about your experience with Black Panther. What was that whole show like? I know for me, that was like one of my favorite films. I know it's like the world that was sort of like a cultural moment as well. Like, it, it was just such an amazing project. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's two different angles of how crazy and insane and amazing being on Black Panther was. I had met Ryan Coogler on a friend's film set in college at USC when he was doing his thesis, but he wasn't Ryan Coogler at the time. But also the VFX supervisor on that was someone that I worked with at Digital Domain, and I actually spent my first Thanksgiving in LA at his house. And so we all went on to our separate careers and then we all came back on this film by accident, right? Like it just, there's three people that I've met who, you know, visual effects supervisor at Marvel, um, Jeff Bauman, Ryan Coogler, the director, and then me just coming on as a, as a, as a post-vis animator. And so that kind of culmination, I want to say eight years later was just amazing. Like walking down the hallway and Ryan is like, Ruel. And I'm like, hey, what's going on, Ryan? And, and then just having that, that conversation and being able to just kind of feel like you've kindred spirits. But then also working on the Disney lot. Like, I'm a huge Disney fan. 
I took a break, I would say every day at 5 p.m. for like 10 minutes and just walked a lot and just soaked it in and like sat on one of the park benches and then got Walt's chili and just kind of taking it in of where he would be sitting or walking. And so those two things for me, being an animator and just seeing where my career came, that experience for me was amazing because you're on the Disney lot, you're at Marvel, Ryan and the editing team is down the hall. I'm hearing the Kendrick Lamar track and you're just hearing that all day, that song as they cut it in. That was one of my favorite you know, things, um, doing a little bit of scratch audio track with Ryan because they needed like the chance, the audio chance of um, the waterfall yes. scene. And so they got like five of us together, the producer, Nate Moore, me, Ryan, and we're just sitting in a conference room, just chanting just to create audio scratch track. So little moments like that for me was the kind of the the thing that made that experience in Black Panther. Dude, it's just, it's just incredible too. So obviously like you, you've had this incredible career, you know, in the feature film world and all these other dynamic projects. Like what's next for Will Smith? I know obviously we're collaborating right now on a whole bunch of fun shit. Some we can talk about, some we can't. I'm sort of like the commercial <laughs> branded short form storytelling, but I know you also have a huge passion for directing. Where do you want to take all this experience? And like, maybe not six months from now, but like 10 years from now, like where is Ruel Smith and what, what's the dream moving forwards? The ultimate dream for me at this point is being a feature film um, director, narrative director. That, that's kind of the end point. My favorite four filmmakers are Christopher Nolan, um, Quentin Tarantino, uh, David Fincher, and Alfonso Cuaron. So making those kind of like, you know, non-linear, high concept, multiple storyline films, um, that's for me the end all be all, right? And so it's getting ready to, you know, make my first feature film hopefully this year. And just to kind of enter that, the, that kind of, you know, atmosphere of filmmakers who, you know, get to see their full length feature films on the screen. Hell yeah, man. Well, I have no doubt it's going to happen. And in the meantime, we got plenty of fun stuff to work on. And yeah. I'd say like, as, as we get to the close of our conversation here, I'd love to hear like knowing someone who sort of like found such amazing success against a, a lot of odds, you know, coming from a, not growing up in LA with some like mentor in Hollywood who sort of ushered you into this world. Like what advice would you have for other people, whether it's animators or just people who are passionate filmmakers of, of trying to find their path, like into the worlds that they aspire to be in knowing that you've, you had so much success. Yeah. I would say, you know, find your passion and hone your craft. It, it all starts with the passion. When I saw Lion King, literally, I can tell you the scene that made me want to be an animator. And it was a scene after Mufasa fell off the cliff and then young Simba came up and tugged on his ear. And I just remembered how that made me feel. I wanted to make viewers and film lovers and audiences feel that same way. That just sparked a passion in me to wanting to be a storyteller. So I would say find your passion and hone your craft. I just kind of, you know, kept my head down, hone my craft, and then just kind of put it out in the world. And then that kind of energy, I feel like, will find you. And my high school animation teacher, Mr. Vincent Petuto, you know, was sort of the blueprint to helping me get to where I wanted to be. I just kind of showed up, developed my craft, showed that I was passionate about it. And I just kind of left out all the outside noise and just kind of focused on what was in front of me and what I could create. So that's what I would say. Just, just kind of focus on what you have control over, your passion, and then not letting other people's limitations limit you. Oh yeah. Well, that's some damn good advice. <laughs> and I, and I couldn't agree more, man. And, uh, I can say it's, it's been so inspiring to be able to collaborate with you, you know, this year. And I, I hope it's a long lasting relationship and I, and I have a feeling we're going to need a follow up podcast here in a couple of years. Once it starts getting real crazy. Um, Absolutely. But dude, thank, thank you so much for your time. I know like for me as, 
like a lay person in the visual effects world, for like a better description, like it's really cool just to lift the hood a little bit and he, and hear yeah. high level, like how, how some of these projects come together. And um, I encourage anybody who's listening uh, to take a minute and check out more Ruel's work. You can find it on our website as well as all the new Best Buy projects. And there's going to be more exciting stuff to come in the next couple of months. But Ruel, thanks again for the time, man. Thanks um, for having me. Appreciate it so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll be following up again soon, man. That was Ruel Smith, head of visual effects and animation at Step Studios and Locked Editorial. To learn more about Ruel and to see his work, visit us at stepstudios.com. See you guys next time on Real Drive.